0: Okay, we're going to look at, again, we started last week on the resurrection, and we're going to finish today on the, we're looking at the, the personal appearances of Jesus as resurrected. And most of what we're going to be looking at today occurs on resurrection day. So there's a lot of things that happen on the day of resurrection. And then we'll look at the fact that Jesus is going to be in and out in his appearances to his disciples and to others for a 40-day period, and then he will ascend into heaven after that. So, if you want to begin today, let's look back in Matthew 28. You remember on the day of resurrection, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene. the The women had had the women of Galilee, including Mary and uh, the Mother Jesus, uh, a lot of the other women that were from Galilee. And Mary Magdalene they came to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away, and it was empty. Mary Magdalene runs back to tell Peter and John or tell the disciples that the grave is empty, that, that they 've taken Jesus or whatever and so Peter and John run to the tomb and look in, and then they depart and Then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene as the other women had begun to, to go back because the angel told the, the the women to go to tell the disciples that he was risen. And so Mary Magdalene stays behind, and Jesus appears to her, and then now Jesus appears to the other women on the road back to Jerusalem. So if you look in chapter 28 of Matthew, uh, it says in verse 9, uh, in verse 8 it says, "...and they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him." And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. Okay, and so uh, Jesus tells them to go and uh, tell the disciples to to leave for Galilee, and they shall see me there. Now, they didn't leave for Galilee immediately. Then We'll find out that um, uh, in a second. But turn to Luke chapter 24. And this is an amazing passage to me. Uh, how many of you know of the disciple Clopas? Clopas. C L O P A S. Clopas. He's just an everyday disciple, right? Everybody knows him. What's amazing to me is that Jesus appears to Clopas and another disciple that's not named as they were traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus and spends a day with them. On this day of resurrection, these two unknown, unidentified, insignificant, insignificant disciples, they're part of the group. There's more than just the disciples that were meeting in Jerusalem. Bless you. There were more than just the the 12 disciples, 11 disciples meeting in Jerusalem. There were a lot of other people there, too. And these were two of those disciples uh, uh, that were meeting there. And so in, in, in the understanding of what happened during that day, Jesus, like I said, appeared to Mary Magdalene. Then he appears to these women on the road back to Jerusalem. But somewhere along the line, Jesus appears to Peter. And Peter, it, it's, really, it's really hard to grasp all the things that are going on here, but it seems like there's an there's a, there's a obscure verse in Luke chapter 24, verse 12, that it says here that it's not even included in some of the ancient manuscripts, but it's here. It says in verse 12, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. Peter, I don't know where this, this verse is supposed to be in the Bible or if it's supposed to be there at all. It wasn't some of the main original. But we know that Jesus appeared to Peter because these two that we're going to look at, these two that are going to the road, on the road to Emmaus, that Jesus appears to they had to have been revealed by Jesus that he that he had he had manifest himself to Peter because they get to the they run back to the disciples in verse um, 34 of Luke 24 and it says they said to them the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon so for for some some way they found out that Jesus had appeared to Simon And Simon doesn't seem to be in the group of these 11 disciples that are in the room with these other people that are with them. Peter doesn't seem to be there. It seems like that Jesus appeared to Peter and that Peter went to his own home and then Peter went to Galilee. I don't see that Peter is with the group during the time that all this other stuff is going on. It doesn't seem like it. So we'll see as we go through this. And look, so first Jesus Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, then he appears to the women of Galilee, he appears to Peter at some point along that, that time frame, and then he meets these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now I want to look at that passage. It's an amazing passage. Here is the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, and he spends this whole day walking along with these two disciples, conversing with them without them knowing who he is. Let's read it. In verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. And behold, two of them, two disciples, were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, there's, Emmaus is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, but it seems like, Nick may help me here, that Emmaus is west, north, a little bit northwest of Jerusalem, about seven miles away. It's a little town or a little community there that seems to be the location where the, these disciples were going. For whatever reason they were going, we don't know. But they were leaving Jerusalem, and they were going toward this town. And they were walking along the the road. And so they were conversing with each other about all the things which had taken place, talking about the crucifixion, uh, all, all the things. And then they had got the report from the women that Jesus had been risen from the dead. So they were talking about all these things. And so it came about that while they were just conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So for however reason, Jesus did not reveal himself to these two disciples. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know it was Jesus. They're walking along with this stranger on the road to Emmaus on the day of his resurrection. Now, we'll see that in a minute, that it's definitely on the day of his resurrection, okay? So it says, and he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? What are y'all talking about? What is this you're talking about? Now this was amazing, and this is an amazing thing about the whole fact of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It wasn't done in secrecy. It was well known by everyone what was going on. It says here, "Listen to this." And one of them named Cleopas, Clopas, answered and said to him, "Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have been happening here in these days? Where are you been?" How can you not know what's going on? Now, that just gives you an indication of how broad this was, how, what, how big this was, this event of Jesus being crucified and tried and then being put on the cross, and then this, this message we've got from the angels that he's been raised from the dead. And this stranger comes in and says, You don't know what's going on. Can you see how big an event this was? It wasn't done in secrecy. Everybody knew what was going on. So when the word gets out that Jesus is resurrected from the dead, that's why it was so important for the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders to bribe the soldiers to tell them that the disciples stole the body because everybody knew what happened. Everybody knew what Jesus claimed to be. Everybody knew that he said he was going to be raised from the dead. Everybody knew what was going on here. And now we've got eyewitnesses saying we've seen Jesus... And then these two are walking along the road talking about everything that's gone on. For whatever reason, they're traveling. And Jesus comes up alongside of them and is walking with them. And what are y'all talking about? And it is amazing to these two disciples that he doesn't know what's been going on. So it goes on. And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in and word, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But, he, but we were hoping that he was, it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all, these, all this, it is the third day since these happened. So here, again, is the the mindset of the disciples and those that were following Jesus. They were all hopeful that he truly was the Messiah, that he was going to set up the kingdom. Now, you've got to go back to the Old Testament prophecies. Because when we start in the second coming of Christ, the study coming after this, the second coming of Christ, when we start into that, you've got to understand it's all based in the prophetic scriptures And so Jesus here says, or the the people, these disciples are saying, it was in the Scriptures that prophesied about the coming Messiah. So all the Jews were looking for a Messiah king who would deliver them and set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. That's the Old Testament prophecy. And they all knew that. That's why when when Jesus was doing the miracles and signs and wonders, they're looking to the Pharisees, they're looking to the Jewish leaders and say, is this not the Messiah? Is this not the Son of Man? Is this not the, the one we've been promised? So they all understood and knew that's what they were looking for. And the disciples were looking for that person, and they thought this was him. And I really believe that the reason Judas did not, that he betrayed him is because he thought that Jesus was going to be a king that was going to overthrow Rome, and he wanted to be a part of that. And then when he realized that Jesus was going to not be that king, then he said, well, we need another. So he was willing to betray Jesus. Besides, he was not born again, so his mind was darkened by the sin in that. So anyway, in verse 22, but also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came and saying that they had also seen seven, had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of them who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. So here they're talking about the resurrection. The angels told the women, and the women told them, and the story, they're just sitting here talking about it, what is going on. Now we have this story that the angels appeared to these women and told them that Jesus was alive. And so Jesus turns, as it said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken? Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Do you not understand what the prophets were saying in the Old Testament? That there had to be a Savior before there could be a king? There had to be a Redeemer that would take away the sins of man before there could be a king? He had to be a Savior before he could be the king of Israel? The Jews conveniently left that part out. So, when John the Baptist came preaching about the need for them to repent and to acknowledge that they were sinners in need of a Savior, the Pharisees, what is this? And and John the Baptist was baptizing them with a baptism of repentance, and the ones that came and were being baptized were understanding and agreeing that they were sinners and they needed to be be baptized into that acknowledgement that they were sinners and needing to repent and, and accept the Savior that was coming to save them. But the Pharisees had no part of that. What do you mean, be baptized? That's what Gentiles do. Gentiles need to be cleansed. They're dirty. We're not dirty. We're righteous. We're the sons of Abraham. We are righteous. We obey the commandments. And so Jesus said, do you not understand what the Scripture said? And so he continued. Then he says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the Scriptures. (laughs) Think about this. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has just been crucified, who has just been resurrected, and instead of him revealing himself to them and saying, guys, I'm here, I'm Jesus, I'm raised from the dead, I am am the Messiah, he says, the Scriptures. And he starts teaching them from the Scriptures all the things that were prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, that he would suffer and die. And he's pointing all the things, all the scriptures out to them that pointed to Jesus fulfilling everything that the prophets had said he would preach, that he would fulfill. So instead of Jesus saying, okay, let me just tell you the truth and reveal reveal myself to you, I'm he, It's, it's happened, it's real. No, it's more important that you understand that what the scriptures say is rock solid. You can trust the scriptures. That's why in the epistles, uh, Paul says to Timothy, the Scriptures are more important than my experiences. I could tell you about my experiences, but you need to read the Scriptures. You need to understand the truth of the Scriptures is more important than my experiences. And even though I saw Christ, even though I was caught up into the third heaven and saw paradise, it is more important for me to tell you about the Scriptures that talk about the truth of the Word of God than for me to give you my experiences. And so Jesus is doing the same thing. Instead of him revealing himself to them at that moment and saying, I am the fulfillment or I am the Christ, he said, what did the scripture say? Go back. And so he began to teach them out of the scriptures. And so they they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he was going further and they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over and he went in to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. So they had all of this instruction, all of this teaching and all of this this teaching about the prophets and about the coming Messiah, and they go in, and they sit down at a table, and he breaks the bread, and he gives it to them, and then their eyes are opened. It's Jesus. And then he vanishes. Man, what an experience. Can you imagine? These two obscure disciples that is nowhere mentioned elsewhere in the Bible about these two, And they spent the whole day walking around, walking down the road with Jesus and him explaining all the scriptures to them and him giving them all that information and all that stuff that he's talking to them about. He goes in and he sits down at the table with them and he breaks the bread and he gives it to them. And then they recognize, we've been talking with Jesus. He's alive. And he vanishes. Just when we see him, he's gone. So... It says, they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now, think about this. This is getting toward evening. It's getting toward late afternoon. They've gone in and sat down to eat a meal. And Jesus reveals himself to them. And then that very hour, they get up and return to Jerusalem. Now, seven miles, I know it would take me at least two and a half hours or two hours to get seven miles. And that's on a good day. So I'm not sure how fast these guys went or how much energy they had, but they went all the way back to Jerusalem. And we know that. Uh, Because it says here, they went that very hour and found together the eleven and those who were with him. So the eleven, and I think that's the eleven minus Peter, and those that were with him were all these other people that were included in the group of disciples that weren't the twelve that were commissioned by Jesus, but they were all there. And so they ran back to Jerusalem and found together with the eleven, and saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And then they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And so this is happening the same day. Because we know that because you go to John's passage and look in John chapter 20, verse 19. And it says, When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the disciples were shut where the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them peace be still so here it is it says when therefore it was evening on that day the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were so this is the same evening of the day of resurrection the first day of the week is sunday he was raised on sunday morning or sunday and this is the evening of that same day And this is after these disciples that were going to Emmaus had met Jesus, had spent the day with Jesus, and now they recognize who Jesus was. He revealed himself to them, and then he vanished, and they ran back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples they'd seen the risen Lord. And they come in there, and they begin to relate their experience on the road, how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Okay, so that's what they did. Now, in Mark's passage... In Mark's passage, it says this, um, let's see. Nope, it's not Mark's passage. Let me see here. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mark 16. um, It says when they, in verse 11, uh, this is when the, the women had reported them, and they had heard that he was alive and had been seen by her. They refused to believe it. And after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along the road in the country. And they went away and reported to the others, but they did not believe them either. So here you have the disciples in this room with the doors locked, afraid for their lives. And they're in this room, and the women come first and tell them about the risen Christ, and they don't believe it. And then these two that meet Jesus on the road, they come and tell them in the, in where they're at, they come and tell them the same thing, that they met Jesus on the road. He's alive. They didn't believe. They didn't believe. So they're still in the room. They don't believe the message of these, two, of these two men that are coming to tell them about their experiences of meeting Jesus Christ. So back in Luke's passage, it says, so in verse 36, and while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. Now I don't I don't think that the it's not clear whether the two men that gave the message stayed there or they left. But anyway, either way they had told them and the disciples didn't believe them and while they're in while they're after they had told them this, it says Jesus stood in their midst and they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And the same thing is true in John's passage in 20 and 20. It says When therefore it was the evening of the day of that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, "Peace be with you." So here, here's this account, and Luke and uh, John both have this account of them on the same day of the resurrection meeting with the eleven. And I think at some point, uh, at some point, Thomas has departed. More. Uh, Huh? Peter had to be with them. Why? Because eleven. I know. Minus Judas. I know. So that would be eleven. Minus not no, not minus Judas. Minus Thomas. Well, that I wouldn't 10. Well, because they hadn't replaced Judas yet. Yes, they had. No, they hadn't. No, you're right. So it'd be just eleven without oh. Judas. Okay. So so yeah, it does seem like that Peter could was there, but then again. He doesn't... Why would they say he appeared to Peter if Peter wasn't there? So I think, yeah, I I think, the, I think the, the, the reference to the 11 is the reference to the apostles. After his experience in denying Christ, he was probably by himself up until that time. In the right. right. And, but he may have been there, may not have been. Well, I think the reference to the 11 is just to identify the, the, the commissioned 12 apostles versus the rest of the people that's their group of the ones that Jesus commissioned. Okay. Because it says the 11, but we know that Thomas wasn't with them and there was only 11 of them. When we get to the next page we'll see that Thomas wasn't there. See, he says right here. He says to them, "Why are you double this is Luke chapter 24 verse 38. He said to them, "Why are you troubled and why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself and touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have." And, he, and, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they, were still, while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. So here he is identifying that my resurrected body is a flesh and bone body. It, is, it has material. And so he even proves it by eating in front of them. Okay? So it is a resurrected body that is material. It is flesh and bone. It is not of the principle of the the earthly body that Adam had in that it is not on the principle of the blood, but it's still a a real body. When we have a resurrected body, and we're resurrected with a glorified body, we're going to have a real body. Now, Jesus' body could go through doors. Now, will our body be able to go through doors? Probably so. Because we're going to be in a different dimension, different Different time frame, but you got to understand this is Jesus, it could be a little different, but He's God, and we're not. But we're gonna have the same kind of body He has, so I think it would be the same, and we'll be able to eat just like He did. So it's a flesh and bone body, okay? So go back to John's passage in John chapter 20, and He said the same thing. and we'll go back here just a second on, on the... I'm going to skip over just to get to Thomas. But in verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve... See, he talks about the twelve as still the group of twelve. Even though Judas is not part of the twelve, so there's not really twelve there at this point, but he still talks about them as a group. So when he's talking about his disciples, I think he's talking about the group. Whether it's, where it's referred to eleven or twelve, I think he's talking about the group. That doesn't mean that every one of the group has to be at the place at the time because here it says Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So he wasn't in the room when Jesus came. Okay? The other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay, so that's, that's the scenario. These, Jesus is showing them his, the, the, the prints in his palms or in the prints in his uh, wrists, And his side, and he's saying, "This is I am risen from the dead. I'm tangible. I'm real. Touch, touch. I can eat food. It's me." And so that that he reveals that to him now. In the Luke passage, Luke twenty-four, again, he says in verse forty-four. He said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law and the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is reminding them all the way through his earthly ministry, he has been quoting the Psalms and the prophets and the Old Testament scriptures concerning the fact that he was a fulfillment of these scriptures. Okay? He's been talking to them all the way through about He is the fulfillment. That Moses spoke, Moses, when he wrote the Old Testament. Uh, the the Pentateuch, he was speaking of the coming of Jesus. And if the Pharisees had believed Moses, they would have believed in Jesus. But then he said here something interesting. He says in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Now go back to John's passage and I think the the same thought in John chapter 20 verse 21. Jesus therefore said to them again, "Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you." And when he, had, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Now, what does that mean? This is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is a this is a special occurrence where the, where Jesus opened up their minds by the power of the Spirit, to understand the Scriptures that he's talking to them about, okay? This is to give them understanding that they will understand that the Scriptures spoke that he would be resurrected from the grave. They're seeing him, and they're having a hard time believing this, and he's pointing them back to the Scriptures, and he opens up their minds, or he breathes, he breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit's enabling to see or to understand the Scriptures and so, this occurrence is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit where they indwell the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit opening up their minds to understand what Jesus is sharing with them about the scriptures and what they said about the coming Christ, about his death and resurrection. Okay? So, what he's saying is, you're seeing me, but you can't always believe what you see because you can see things that are not true. But the scriptures are always true. So he says, you can see me, you can touch me, you can look at my hands, you can see me eat, but to, to validate the reality of what is happening in front of you, go to the scriptures. And here he opens up their minds so that they can understand what the prophets wrote about the resurrection of Christ, about his death on the cross, and his coming to die for them and to be resurrected from the dead. And so he is talking to them about the scriptures giving them truth from Scriptures and opening up their minds so that they understand what the Scriptures are saying. So not only does he go to the Scriptures, he has the Spirit of God anoint them with the anointing of understanding, and they're able to understand what the prophets meant when what they spoke. So they had the writings, but now they understand the depth of the understanding of the writings is talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you see, Jesus always points not to what you saw, but to what you heard and what you understand from what was written down by God. The Word of God is more powerful and and more sure than anything that you can see or experience in your life. Okay? That's what he's saying. Okay, so when he says receive the Holy Spirit, he's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That comes later. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a permanent indwelling to empower them to be His witnesses and to have the giftedness to do the work of being the body of Christ. This is strictly an anointing of the Holy Spirit like you had in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people for certain things. In this case, the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon them so that they would understand the Scriptures and understand everything that Jesus told them about what was coming and what was going to take place. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, you got that. Okay, so now, he says something here that you have to be careful of. It says in verse 23, If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Here he's talking about them as what is going to come about as their role as apostles. And he is not saying that the apostles have the right to forgive sins. But you do know, as you go through the book of Acts that you had the situation with Ananias and Sapphira. And Peter had revelation that their hearts were not right. When they said they did this, Peter said, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? So they had the power of revelation as apostles to understand who was sinning and who wasn't and reveal that. The same way with the situation um, with... Peter and Simon, and that's an interesting. And I didn't write that passage down. Um, Anybody have the passage in Acts about the Simon, the magician, that was? Okay, it's in in Acts chapter eight. It's a very interesting passage. It says, and they, uh, they, Peter was preaching. Uh, or Philip was, was down in Samaria preaching, and there was a certain man named Simon in verse 9 who was formerly practicing magic in the city and astonishing people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they, and they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is, is what is called the great power of God. And they were give him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women like, and even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip and he observed signs and great miracles and taking place as he was constantly amazed. Here's an example of someone who believed the message and was baptized to be a part of the group and is not a believer. He is not saved. The Bible says he believed and was baptized, but he's not saved. Now listen, to what did he said, they began laying hands in verse 17 on them. And they were receiving, the, they, they, they called for Peter. And, and then when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed upon them through the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give this authority to me as well, as, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Peter had the Discernment and the revelation of God as an apostle to point out people's hearts. And that's what Jesus is talking to in John when he says that, that they will have, uh, they will be able to acknowledge those who are sin and those who are not sin. He's not saying that the, the apostles or the church can forgive you your sins. You can't go to a priest and have your sins absolved. That is not what he's saying here at all. Okay. Even in Matthew chapter 18, we're talking about the church and church discipline and all that, and he says that he's not saying that the church has the right to admit or or keep people out of the kingdom. It's saying the church has the right to recognize the true fruits of the Spirit and in that way accept or reject people into the church. It's just going to the understanding of 1 John when 1 John says, if you say you've been born again, and you practice lawlessness or unrighteousness, you're a liar. So there's discernment there. If someone says, I'm a believer, someone says, I'm a Christian, someone says, I want to be a part of the church, and yet their actions are totally opposed to everything about Jesus Christ, then it's up to the elders and the leaders of the church to discern and say, no, you're not operating in a way that gives you credibility to say that you are a child of God and you're a wolf in sheep clothing or you're trying to come in and... and and divide or destroy the church, so you have to be careful with that, but that passage is not talking about them having the power to forgive sins, it's talking about them having the power to understand and recognize sinners and then uh, see the fruits of their labors. Okay. so uh, so then uh, the, the, back to Thomas, all right that's the end of, of the day of resurrection. is when Jesus appears to the disciples in the upper room. I mean, in, the, in that room where they're hiding out, and he appears to them and, and then uh, shares with them this truth. Now, in, chapter, in Luke chapter 24 again, let's go ahead and finish that because I think this was done in the same context, but it will be repeated later as they go to Galilee and then they come back to Jerusalem later on. In verse 44, after he ate the meal in front of them. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So here in this passage, this time, Jesus informs them That what was written in the scriptures about that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, that's why you believe in the resurrection because of what was recorded in the scriptures, and now you are to be witnesses to those around the world of this occurrence because you have seen the resurrected Christ, but you proclaim it because it is written in the scriptures, so that they may believe what is written in the scriptures. And you are witnesses that you saw what was revealed and what happened as it was written in scriptures and it was revealed in your life. And so the apostles were those that saw the resurrected Christ and were given the, 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 the responsibility, the job to lay the foundation for the church and to finish the scriptures in the New Testament and point to Jesus Christ as the risen Lord so that repentance... And forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now we'll go back to that passage about the Great Commission after we get to the uh, next week at the end of the, the 40 days. Okay? Now, turn to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive, and after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So 40 days. So here we are in Jerusalem, and in John's passage, 21, after he appeared to them in the room without Thomas, It says in verse 29 of chapter 20 of John, um, in verse 26 of chapter 20 of John, it says, and after eight days, again, his disciples were inside. Now, the indication is they're still in Jerusalem. Eight days later, they're in the same place, the same room. So it's been eight days. Now, Thomas is with them. And and after eight days, again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see me and yet yet have believed. Now, Again, when Thomas had said, I don't believe this, and I won't believe it until I see it. So eight days later, Jesus appears to the disciples in the same room. He comes in, and he turns straight to Thomas and said, Thomas, touch my hands. Touch my side. And Thomas doesn't touch his hands, doesn't touch his side. He says, Lord, I believe. So the Spirit of God I mean, Tommy, can you imagine? You've been the one that said, I don't believe this. I don't believe this. I'm not going to believe it. And then Jesus confronts you personally, directly. And so he believes. He says, Blessed are those who did not see and yet believe. We have not seen the risen Christ, but we believe. So we're part of this group that are blessed because we have believed the witness, we believe the scriptures. And we believe the testimony of those who have spoken the scriptures. We believe the apostles' record that they wrote down about seeing the resurrected Christ. And the Spirit of God has opened up our hearts, and now we can't help but believe the Word of God. That's so important to understand about what it means to be born again. When you're born again, you receive the nature of God. That nature of God that is perfect and holy has become a part of you. You still have this old flesh that wants to discount and doubt and fear and all the stuff that goes with the flesh. But that new nature you received at the time you were born again, when the Word of God comes to that new nature that is from God, it cannot help but agree and understand that this is the Word of God. The the, the new nature from God will always respond to the Word of God, to the revelation of God, to the Spirit of God. It will always respond. So the person that's been born of God will always repent of his sins because it's contrary to his nature, and he will believe in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Word of God. And that nature will always believe in the truth of the Word of God. So that's how we are powerfully changed to become believers in this message of Jesus Christ being risen from the dead is because we have a nature that has been created within us by the, by the power of the Spirit of God, and now we are responding to the truth of the Word of God out of a nature that is in line with God and cannot help but believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's why when the gospel is preached... Some repent of their sins, call upon the name of the Lord, and are saved. And others say, this is a bunch of baloney. This doesn't make any sense. Because if the Spirit of God didn't enlighten you and open up your heart, you would would be like all the others. You would not believe this incredible revelation of God, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, becoming man to die for our sins and believing in Him. So, the theme of John is quoted again in this passage in chapter 20. And we're not finished, but it, just, it, it quotes it here. When we started out the study of the Gospel of John, we said that John wrote this Gospel and wrote everything in it for this reason. Verse 30, Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book, in the presence of his disciples both before and after the resurrection. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So John is being a witness here in recording the Gospel of John in telling all the truths about what was written about the coming Messiah and then the experiences that the apostles had with Jesus as when he was walking in his ministry on earth and then after he was resurrected from the dead and appeared to them all these times. Now, next week, We're going to finish up in chapter 21 of John. Okay, before we do that, Matthew 28. And this is why you have to read these all together to get the context and the flow of the time frame. Because in Matthew 28, um, after Jesus had spoke to the women of Galilee in verse 10 and said, Do not be afraid and go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. The disciples didn't believe the women, and they stayed in Jerusalem. And Jesus appeared to them in Jerusalem. Okay, But the command was to go to Galilee. And so here in verse 11, I mean, verse 16, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were still doubting. Now, the some that were still doubting it is um, not just the disciples, but all that were with him. Because we know that, because what does it say in 1 Corinthians 15? When he's talking about the gospel and he's talking about the testimony of those that saw the resurrected Christ, it says in, in, in verse 6, well, first it, it says uh, in verse 5 that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. The 500 brethren are those that were with the disciples that followed them and they went to Galilee with them. And during the 40 years, he appeared to uh, different groups of them at different times. Um, So he's not talking about just the 12 or just the disciples that he commissioned, but some of them that still doubted were part of that group that saw him. And I think they didn't... I, I think the indication is that God only appeared to those that were believers or became believers. So the ones that were still doubting were the ones that had not come to full assurance in the resurrection, but I think that the testimony is that they did, that they were true believers. Okay, I'm going to stop there, and we'll pick up next week, and we'll finish up with the the last chapter of John, and then we'll look at the ascension of Jesus Christ and, and that's recorded both in the Gospels and in Acts chapter 1, and we'll look at there.